Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Rain on Your Parade. Today, we're going to be talking about Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> I almost forgot the name of the movie. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, before we get into that, this is my little introduction, what I've been watching and doing. Um, it hasn't been too long since my last episode, I don't think. I was thinking about doing Jurassic Park next, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do a couple more this year. Um, it's almost Thanksgiving, which I'm Native American, so I don't really celebrate Thanksgiving the way, you know. I don't, it's not, you know, I like to be thankful. I'm a Christian, and I'm thankful, but I'm thankful to God all the time. Not, you know, like, as far as, like, the American version of the holiday, I'm like, you know, I'm a little... Scrooge-ish about that, <laughs> which speaking of Scrooge, for Christmas, I'm going to be covering um, The Man Who Invented Christmas because I feel like it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. And as far as because I'm a writer, it just really encapsulates what it's like to be a writer, honestly. And I love Charles Dickens. I know that there are some things about him that weren't exactly the best, but at the same time, he had this you know, better than a lot of old writers, you know what I mean? Because he, he, you know, wrote about, uh, class struggles and things like that. And it, it just, you know, and so important stuff. And he did like, his works did more good than he did bad. You know what I'm saying? Like he didn't put any of his, like, cause I've heard he's had some like biases or, you know, him and his wife had troubles and, and, you know, he left his wife for a younger woman, but none of that really comes across in his work. So his work, I think, is very pure. And he was so whimsical. And like, I've been reading A Christmas Carol. I have this book and it's a Bible study based on The Christmas Carol. And, you know, I've read the story before, but like, I was just reading it. And, you know, you don't, you think you know the story, but you don't sit down and like read the original work, you know, very often. So, I don't know. I was just reading and like him being like Marley was dead as a doornail. Not that I know what's particularly dead about a doornail. Like, and he went on this tangent about like, you know, why would you say that? I would think that a nail in a coffin would be more dead than a doornail, but what do I know? Like, that's pretty much what he said. And like, I'm just like, is it possible to get a crush on a 210 year old guy who's been dead like over a hundred years? You know what I mean? Like, this guy would be 210 years old if he were still alive, and I have a crush on him just from his writing. And not the actual one, but what really pushes this crush is this movie, um, The Man Who Invented Christmas, which is actually, you know, it just tells about Charles Dickens writing A Christmas Carol. And um, it's one of those stories that you don't think of deeply as much as you would if it was like the first time seeing it or, you know, we're, we've all gotten so used to the story because, you know, so many things have done it. And one of my favorite versions of that, actually, I think my favorite version of A Christmas Carol is The Muppets Christmas Carol, which I might cover one year, but who knows when, <laughs> um, because, you know, we all love that. Uh, that's pretty, that's, that's the best version, I think mainly because of Michael Caine um, <clears throat> and Gonzo and Rizzo just really add to it. 
But and it's pretty faithful. I mean, Gonzo does say a lot of things that are actual lines from the book, and the it's pretty faithful. And so, and I love how Charles Dickens put like he named the chapter staves because that's like verses of a song, you know, because it's a carol. It's actually like he thought of the story itself as an actual song, and I just like that. But um, it's just like something I would do, you know what I mean? And he was so whimsical. You know, like, I just love his whimsy. And when I first watched The Man Who Invented Christmas, it's on Hulu, and it, or it was. I'm going to make sure it's still in there. But the first time I watched it, I was like, as soon as they showed him, and he's played by, Charles Dickens is played by Dan Stevens, you know, the one that played Prince Adam in Beauty and the Beast. He played the Beast, the live action, and um, he's been in several other things, too. But Dan Stevens popped up and I was like, oh, no, they made Charles Dickens hot. <laughs> and like, he's so pretty and cute. And he they cast the perfect person, which, I'm, you know, I'll get into all this in the podcast. But they did cast the perfect person for Charles Dickens because I feel like Daniel, Dan Stevens carries this whimsy within him as well. And that's kind of what makes him attractive, you know, because he is attractive, but he's not even usually my type of attractive. He's like cute. But he's not like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not so, it's, it's like so much percent his personality too. You know what I mean? Like his personality and his way he carries himself and acts adds so much to his attractiveness, which is the female gaze. <laughs> I've been on this thing about the female gaze because we need to talk about it more. Just like, you know, I'm not at all attracted to Henry, Henry Cabal, except for the fact that like he had, you know, like, as Superman, I'm like, he's not even cute. He's boring to look at. Like, he's so boring to look at. But, like, as Geralt, he's super hot. And even as Sherlock in the Enola Holmes, he's also cute in that because he has a good personality in that. I'm, I'm, I, I like Sherlock. Like, I have a crush on the character of Sherlock. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, you know, I, di I didn't think Bene Benedict Cumberbatch was cute until I saw him play Sherlock. And it's, like, mostly his personality. And people are like, how could you be attracted to him? And I'm like, well, no, like, it's his personality. And it's his, you know, he doesn't have the, he's kind of an a-hole. But, like, there's an innocence there because there's just an innocence to Sherlock in the BBC version, I think. And anyway, um, Benedict, I did not find him attractive until I saw him as Sherlock, and partly it's because he has longer hair, I know that, but also just, there's something about him being so smart, you know, like, uh, Irene Adler said, like, smart is the new sexy, and it is. I mean, it, it really is, and, um, things like that, but anyway, I've just been kind of obsessed with female gaze lately and talking about it. Um, well, even Edward Scissorhands, that's a great example. Even though, you know, I'm doing this movie in particular, it's not really a Christmas movie, but it is kind of because there's snow involved. But Edward Scissorhands to me is like a very similar to Eleven, and that's why I want to do it right after Stranger Things, because he reminds me of Eleven. I was just watching it, like, one day, and I was just like, oh my gosh, he's like so much like Eleven. And we'll get into that, but... <clears throat> also, you know, and I know there's, like, controversy over Johnny Depp right now, but just movie-wise, I remember as a kid watching this and being like, I have a crush on Edward Scissorhands, because I do. Like, Johnny Depp's characters, you know, I've had a crush on most of the characters he's played my entire life, 
and yeah, Johnny Depp is gorgeous and he's still good look, you know, he still looks good, but that's not even it. Like the characters he's chosen to play, like mostly that I've had a crush on is like Sam from Benny and June and Edwards is their hands. These quirky, like innocent characters, these people who are like have carried this innocence, you know, and yeah, I had a crush on Gilbert Grape a little bit, but you know, mostly, you know, I was like, Edwards is there, like, of course, you know, and also another thing that adds to this being related to Stranger Things is Winona Rodgers in it, um, where she's great. And this is the first, like, when I watch this, I'm like, she is, like, so beautiful in this. She's, like, so gorgeous because I'm just, like, <laughs> you know, fascinated because, well, she had blonde hair, but, like, not that that's better, but it's just at the time when I was a kid watching it, I'm like, I didn't, I could, I didn't even recognize her because I hated Beetlejuice, the movie. I liked the cartoon, but I hated the movie because I just didn't like the way it made me feel, <laughs> you know, the vibes it was giving me. I wasn't like scared of it or anything. It was just, I didn't like the vibes that made me feel like depressed. And I'm like that, you know what I mean? If a movie makes me feel a certain type of way, I'm like, I hate it. And I can't even explain why. Um, Beetlejuice was one of them. Even though I know technically, you know, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. It's, you know, Michael Keaton did a good job and uh, Alec Baldwin looks more gorgeous than he ever had. You know, he looks, so, he's so hot in that movie. And it's like, wow, wait, <laughs> that's Alec Baldwin. He looks so good. But like, and Winona Ryder's great. I love her. But like, you know, the vibe of the movie just, I just could not stand it as a kid. I, like, Alice in Wonderland, the cartoon. I like Alice in Wonderland, the whole concept. I love the book and a lot of anything to do with it, really. But when I watch the cartoon, it makes me sick. Like, it literally makes me nauseous. Like, and I think it's something to do with me. It's more my personal thing. Like, certain things give me this weird feeling that I'm like, it makes me uncomfortable. And it's like a personal issue. It's like nothing. It's not a criticism of whatever it is that makes me feel that way. It's just, I know it's just me. And it's like, this thing makes me feel too weird. That's why I can't really watch certain things by Neil Gaiman. Even though I love Neil Gaiman, I know he's good at writing. It's just that like the feeling, you know, the vibe. It's just like, I can't, I can't do it. It makes me sick to my stomach. <laughs> and it's just that. It's just an aversion, you know. I think I might be autistic, honestly, because I've been seeing a lot of TikToks, which I know I can't, like, self-diagnose from TikTok things, but every time there's, like, put a finger down if you, and every time I'm, like, every time they're, like, I'll tell you what this is about at the end, and they're, like, put a finger down if you do this, if you're picky about food, but especially because of the texture of food, and I'm, like, oh my gosh, you know, and I'll put, like, down all of my fingers, and at the end they're, like, if you put all your fingers down, that means you're autistic. Every time, and I'm, like, even analyzing shows and stuff the way I do for this podcast is, like, one of the things that somebody said was, and I'm, like, I'm not trying to, like, jump on this, like, bandwagon, but it's, like, I'm, but I'm more likely to have ADHD, you know, but, um, or something. I have something wrong with me. <laughs> I know that. I'm definitely not neurotypical. I know that for sure. I definitely have always felt like I don't think like other people, but. I know I'm neurodivergent in some way, you know, um, I don't know what it is, maybe not even something that has a name for it, but I'm definitely, you know, like certain textures of clothes or food or, you know, things like that. I'm just like, no, I can't. I, and I can't do it. Like, I can't do it. And the ADHD thing, like, 
where there are certain things that you can't do and like people are like why can't you just do it and it's like I just can't bring myself to do it like I just can't make myself and like it's like just the idea of it and that's that's really what causes my writer's block at any time it's like I just look at the page and I'm like I just can't do it right now I just can't and it's like, why can't you? There is no reason. I just, ugh, you know. <laughs> but anyway, and that's why sometimes it takes me longer to get these podcasts out. So I'm like, oh, I can't do it right now, you know. And it's, I don't even know. And it's not laziness. It's like, I'm literally doing a bunch of stuff. It's just that particular thing. I can't bring myself to do it, you know. Um, so I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> I'm not trying to self-diagnose, but uh, I can't afford therapy. And oh, that's another thing. I don't want, like, that's one of the things. It's like, I enjoy therapy. I like going to therapy. But at the same time, it's kind of useless for me in a way. Because that's not, I'm not worried about that phone ringing. Um, the idea of going, there's even things that I enjoy doing that I sometimes just can't do, like, when it comes up, like, the day of, it's like, oh, today is the day you have to go do this, and I'm like, I can't, I don't want to. Like, it's not that I don't want to do anything, I would rather run a mile or do manual labor, you know, but it's just like, I don't want to go somewhere, you know, like, I don't want to do this, like, I just can't bring myself to do it. So, you know, that's why it sucks for people, because it's like, I should probably, you know, I could probably get on disability for it, honestly. But at the same time, I don't want to go through all the red tape. It's like my mental illness that I need disability for is like causing me to not be able to go sign up for that and do all those things that you have to do. Like you have to jump through hoops. And it's like my specific thing that is wrong with me is the thing that's causing me not to be able to go and just do that kind of stuff. Doing that kind of stuff just is like, you know, like taxes and all those kind of things that are like, <laughs> like those types of things just stress me out so bad or like filling out a paper or something. Like I've written 400,000, over 400,000 words of a fan fiction, like since July, it's only taken me, you know, since July, I've written over 400,000 words and also worked on another piece of writing, a book that I'm writing. <laughs> and other things, like I've written things, like I've written probably... I don't know, maybe close to 500,000 words since July, like, since the end of July, and, like, you know, but filling out one paper, like, even that, like, Christmas Carol um, Bible study, like, I'll read the question, it has questions in it, and you can write the answers, and I haven't written down any of the answers, which I did, like, think about the questions, because that's what you're really supposed to do. But I didn't actually write them down, because I didn't want to do that. <laughs> so it's like, um, which I think it would be helpful to do it during, like, a class. Like a, you know, have a discussion questions on it, or whatever. But I'm only doing those once a week, because there's, like, five, you know, the there's five chapters to that, so there's, like, five weeks left for Christmas, so I'm gonna do them every weekend, you know, each chapter every weekend, because that'll last up until Christmas, you know, and I just love Charles Dickens, and I'm like, this is perfect for me, because I love the Bible, and I love Bible study, I need Bible study things, because those types of things help me more, <laughs> you know, having, like, something to go off of instead of just trying to do it myself. 
but like I like little workbooks and stuff where you give little answers I even have like journals like that but at the same time I'm just like oh I can't do it right now you know like or I don't want to write it down I just want to like read the question and think about it myself because my answers are so long or whatever you know or they're too abstract to like put pinpoint an exact answer you know it's like my my answer to this is way too abstract that's why I takes me like forever to talk about one subject um but anyway what is this therapy like I'm giving myself therapy on my podcast right now but anyway what else have I been watching um I watched I've been watching Chucky which the last episode I think is tonight um and I mean (laughs) it's funny it's mostly funny um Devin saw They've had him play three different characters so far, and they keep killing off his characters, and then he keeps coming back as a different character, and I'm like, I hope they keep this up. Like, this is just the jokes. It's just silly. It's just so silly. And, um, you know, things like that. I just love Devin Zola. And actually, like, in it, because in the second season, he plays this hot, like, priest. Not the Andrew Scott hot priest from Fleabag, but, like, um, which also Andrew Scott, ugh, he's so hot. But anyway, uh, <laughs> he's just, a, Devin Saul plays this, like, priest, and he's also hot, in my opinion, and, um, <laughs> and he just, he, he, I don't know, for some reason, in that outfit, he looked like one of my friends, <laughs> like, a lot, and I was like, does this not look like Tyler? And it does, um, but I'm not actually, I haven't told Tyler about that yet, but I'm gonna tell him in a little bit, <laughs> actually, because I'm like, this looks so much like Tyler here. Which is a compliment to both of them, you know, because they're both attractive dudes. So, I'm, yeah, it's like, okay, you both look great. Devin Saul looks great. Like, he looks a lot different than he did as a kid, obviously. But he still looks good. And I'm like, you know what? And he's so funny on Twitter. Like, I totally love Devin Saul on Twitter. Just like, he's great. Um, he just He's just great on Twitter. I, I just highly recommend following him if that website doesn't go down anytime soon. <laughs> that's the only thing that's going to suck is, like, you know, interaction with famous people. Because I don't like, t- t- you know, famous people don't post funny stuff on Facebook. And Facebook is sucks. Which Tumblr is still going strong. And there's currently, um, what is it called? Goncharov. I don't even know how to say it. Goncharov, that movie from 1973 <laughs> on Tumblr. If you're on Tumblr, I know you know what I'm talking about. The Martin Scorsese film that doesn't really exist, but like Tumblr pretending like it does. That's just exactly what Tumblr's all about. And I'm so here for it. I'm like, this is why Tumblr is the best one because everybody else is freaking about all these other things. And here we are over here on Tumblr, just having jokes about just all in all on board. Everybody's just all on board for it. And you know, it is the way it's so much different. It's for the weirdos. It's for the people who are on board for just a good time, you know, and not just like, you know, <clears throat> but anyway, and there, you know, there's more nuanced takes on Tumblr than Twitter because they're like, well, anyway, I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> I did see a post on Facebook earlier that was like, um, something about people wanting to ban books because they're graphic novels. And they're like, let me tell you something. The word graphic for graphic novel means that it has pictures in it, not that it's graphically, like, explicit. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I hate it when people, like, don't know what words mean, especially if it's, like, for a different jargon. And it's like, at least learn it. You know what I mean? Like, a graphic novel does not mean it's, like, sexual. It means it's 
got pictures in it. Like, words mean different things. And, like, it reminded me of this time I was talking to somebody and, or, like, this discussion was happening where somebody was like, what does dark mean? Like, a dark story. Like, when you're talking about writing, like, a movie that's dark or a show that's a dark plot, you know? And somebody's like, it means stuff about evil things. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. (laughs) It doesn't at all. It means things that are, like, heavy, you know, what some people would call heavy or not only just sad. I mean, I want to say sad, but not really that either. Anything that's, like, deep, you know what I mean? It's a dark storyline, meaning it's not just, like, lighthearted. It's the opposite of lighthearted. Dark is the opposite of lighthearted. You know, anything that's lighthearted means it doesn't go too deep into, like, emotional things. When it's dark, it means it's heavy. Emotionally heavy. I, I don't... <laughs> I'm like, why should... Why don't people... Like, the person who was talking about it and saying that and answering that and saying it dark meant it was, like, evil or stuff about supernatural stuff. I was like, you should know better. Like, you, you know, but whatever. I'm like, no, no. Please learn things. I I hate it when people do things like that. It's like, no, you're wrong. Oh my gosh. Um so yeah, I watched I've been watching Chucky, I've been watching Ghosts, um, the sitcom, which is pretty good. I, it's lighthearted, you know. Um I finished Handmaid's Tale because, you know, I'm just trying to get through that. I'm sorry, I love it. Like, I love Margaret Atwood and I like the whole Handmaid's Tale like concept of like warning people about that but like and like showing how that what could happen but like I like fighting back against that kind of stuff too but like it's to the point with the show that it's like you know (laughs) I I feel like it's drag they're dragging it out too far it's you know they're dragging it on too far you know and I just wish they would wrap it up Um, which there are certain things in there that are happening that are important in a way, because it's like, what can we have some nuance about this? Because, you know, now Serena is at this point in her life and this is happening. So what do we do or how do we feel or whatever? And it's teaching me things about myself too. And so it's still not really terrible, but I'm just kind of tired. Like I have like TV fatigue where I'm like sick of watching everything or like trying to feel like. I feel like, uh, you know, I can't keep up with all the things that I'm trying to watch. And people are like, you should watch this other show. And I'm like, I have too much already. I have too much already. Just leave me alone. (laughs) I even have this tracker on my phone that keeps track of, like, all the TV shows that I watch. So it can tell me what I need to watch still. And then there's, like, um, I haven't watched any of La Brea. I kind of feel like La Brea is, like, kind of a knockoff of Lost. And it's it obviously can't compare and so I feel a little let down by it because it feels a little like one of those network TV shows where it's like, uh, you know, people, the dialogue is just flat and, and predictable and doesn't sound like conversations people would actually have, you know what I'm saying? Um, those kind of shows, I can't stand them. I'm sorry, but like network TV shows usually just really ugh, are terribly written, you know, and it's like the concept is not that bad, but it's like you're missing so much here like that lost had and i don't feel like people understand that (laughs) you know people want you to watch the walking dead or something and i'm like i tried to watch like a scene and i was just like i felt like it was a blooper reel because it felt like they weren't even like acting you know you know how in blooper reels you can see that they're kind of not trying real hard or like 
after somebody messes up, they kind of drop character, they fall out of character. That's what I felt like I was watching, you know, <laughs> one of those scenes because it felt like they weren't even in character or something. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but it just felt wrong. I'm like, the acting in this is terrible, and I'm sorry. I mean, people might come for me for saying that, but I'm serious. And, like, network TV shows like that that are on at, like, prom time, like, 8 p.m. on Monday nights, you know, those types of shows, like CSI and blah, blah, blah. I can't watch things like that. Like, it feels, it feels so fake to me. <clears throat> it feels so forced. The dialogue always feels so forced and just, I just, I'm not into it. Um... I feel like I'm probably like Breaking Bad, which people suggest it. And I feel like, yeah, I might like it because people compare it to Mr. Robot or, or like say that it's quality and, you know, Kristen Ritter was in it. And I feel like it's probably well acted and everything, but like, I don't know that the storyline is something that I would relate to at all. I don't feel like the plot is something that I'm into. <sighs> Me personally, um, it might be well made. I'm, I'm pretty sure based on what everybody says that it's probably is very well made I'm, I'm not saying that it's not it probably is and it's probably definitely well acted I can just tell Brian Cranston you know what I mean like I just can tell I know it's probably well made but it's just not my type of thing because of like the plot and stuff I'm just not into that I might watch it eventually but like you know we'll see maybe someday which, that's how I felt about Lost, too. Everybody was talking about how Lost was great, and I didn't watch it for years. And then finally when I did, I was like, you know what? Okay. I'm into it. <laughs> Actually, it's because Bros Watch PLL 2 said it was good. And I'm like, I wouldn't listen to anybody but them about it, because we have a lot of similar taste about things. Actually, they're the reason I started watching Mr. Robot as well. Um And thankfully. Um, but I started watching that, too. I started watching it because season four is a Christmas movie. Um, so I started watching season three and now I'm on season four, episode two, which my internet keeps going out, so I can't really watch it. And I've been watching it all on my laptop because I watched the first two seasons on my laptop and I think most of the third season on my laptop and it made me feel closer to Elliot. And then when the fourth season came out, it was coming out on TV by the time I got to it. So I watched it on the television, like the big screen of my house. And, like, I didn't feel as close. So, I'm like, I want to watch this all. Even, like, I hadn't seen season four of my laptops. And I feel like it brings it closer to me. I don't know. So, I kind of wanted to watch it on my laptop. And my internet's been janky. So, like, I just, you know. Um, what else have I been watching? I'm excited for Wednesday to come out. This Wednesday. Um, two days from now. With Jenna Ortega. Christina Ricci's going to be in it. I've heard some good things about it. I heard some, I'm just ignoring all the critics right now because I'm like, I'm just going to see for myself. Um, I feel like it can't go that bad with Jenna Ortega and like Wednesday Adams. You know what I mean? That combination. It's like, it can't be that bad if it's got that actress playing that character. You know what I mean? Um, the trailer looks amazing. So I've been excited mostly for Wednesday coming out. And um, <clears throat> yeah. What else? Anything else um, that I want to talk about? I feel like there was something, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm probably going to be watching. I'm, I'm trying to just clear my TV schedule out so I can just watch like Christmas movies and stuff. I kind of try to do that every year. And um, <clears throat> I haven't got around to watching La Brea. And what else? There was something else I haven't watched. 
that I was oh um Kevin can f himself which I do like a lot I just haven't been in the mood <laughs> and plus well those two things my mom wants to watch with me so like if I was just watching it by myself I could like rush through it and like binge watch the whole thing by myself but like she wants to watch like two episodes a night and like it takes longer and it's like more of a hassle you know what I mean it's like okay let's sit down and watch it and she's busy and we have to find time when we're both not busy and like all this other stuff so it takes longer if we're watching things together I could have had it done and watched both of them <laughs> that's why you know like with Chucky and Handmaid's Tale I got you know I watched them by myself so I'm done with that and Ghost I think is coming back at some point <clears throat> um it's like a mid-season break or something but I'm just waiting for my app to tell me when it's back on um but yeah, I started watching Mr. Robot again. Not seasons one and two. I didn't want to get that into it. Because um, I feel like season three and four are a little bit lighter. Well, not four necessarily, but like season three is a little bit lighter. It's not as like heavy. And um, season two for me is just so heavy with emotion. You know, emotionally heavy and like lots of stuff going on. And in season three, there's some funny type you know, episode, like, I think season three, episode eight is, like, the funniest episode, which is weird, because that's the episode where he's contemplating, like, not being alive anymore, <laughs> but at the same time, it's the most watchable and fun episode, in a way, because he's got this banter with Trenton's little brother, like, the whole episode is that, you know, ma mainly just him hanging out with that little boy, and it's so easy to watch compared to a lot of the other episodes, and so, even though there's, like, darker undertones and like heavier stuff going on because of that and like that's what it for Mr. Robot it's kind of a light episode it's kind of a fun episode because they have this fun banter and they play so well off each other and Rami with a kid is just hanging out with a kid he's I mean I'm not trying to get into discussion about Mr. Robot but like Elliot himself is kind of childish you can see his childishness come out in that because he's like you know take me to the movies and he's like we're only going if something good's playing you know what I mean he's like it's just I don't know it's just fun to funner to watch than it's one of the episodes that just brings me a lot more joy than some of the others because I mean I enjoy watching all of it but it's very heavy to, you know it's a heavy watch there's like a lot of emotional stuff there so like that episode is like for some reason lighter even though, like, he's, uh, what's going on in the episode is very dark and heavy, but, like, and why he's even hanging out with that boy, you know, and what that boy's going through emotionally and what Elliot's going through emotionally is very hard stuff, but, like, it's just, it's really sad, but at the same time, there's something there that's light, because that kid is drawing him out of the darkness. And it kind of draws us out of the darkness too. You know what I'm saying? And it's just so sweet. And I don't know. I just love that episode. It's called Don't Delete Me. And it's episode 8 of season 3. And it's probably my favorite episode in uh, in one way. I can't really name a favorite episode. But they're all my favorite for different reasons. <laughs> and like one of them is in season 4. When Darlene tries to steal that car. But that guy comes up. He's dressed like Santa Claus. He keeps calling her Dolly and like he starts talking about it's a wonderful life and like <laughs> that that's that whole 
he's one of my favorite just one-off characters you know what i mean because he there it's just so fun and um for mr robot you know what i mean when you say something's lighthearted and fun and mr robot <laughs> it's pretty dark still you know what i mean but still for that show it's very fun um it just makes me laugh some of the things it, you have to have a dark sense of humor to laugh at the things in mr robot but i do so i do find a lot of it funny um <laughs> honestly um one of the funniest things, I was just watching a compilation video of, like, Mr. Robot scenes out of context, and one of my favorite scenes, like, the funniest scene to me is, like, Tyrell, which just is a spoiler, like, Tyrell, well, I mean, not really, because it wasn't really happening, but Tyrell jumping out of the trunk of the car, tied his hands and feet tied together, and he starts bouncing away with his hair flopping, and he's like, I'm a businessman, a very important businessman, <laughs> and he, like, runs into the curtain and like that's the funniest thing like he's hopping and his hair's flopping up and down and he's screaming i'm a businessman i'm a very important businessman <laughs> that's the funniest thing like that's the funniest thing <laughs> how could you not love that like they totally put that in there to be funny i mean there's no way they didn't i mean obviously they did but it's just like that is just so funny <clears throat> It's just so funny. And that's the way Elliot's mind works. You know what I mean? Like, that's how he sees Tyrell. Like, you know, it's just so great. Or or Mr. Robot, because he's the one that created that alternate, you know, like, sitcom, 80s sitcom world. But, like, I guess he was the one having Tyrell say that. <laughs> but, you know, still, it's Elliot. Um, I don't know. I'm like, how could you not enjoy the show? It's just so funny. Sometimes, sometimes it's very sad. Sometimes it's very funny. It's got all. It's got all the feelings. Um, but you know, I don't. I say Mr. Robot is probably the most well-made show I've ever seen in my life. But as far as like the best show that's like universal, I would say Stranger Things because I feel like anybody could watch it and enjoy it. Even though, like, even that's a little niche in a way because the weird stuff happens you know what I mean like I feel like if you're not weird then you can't really appreciate Stranger Things the same as people that are weird or outcast honestly I mean I'm just being honest Mr. Robot I think is definitely necessary to be like totally necessary with Stranger Things there are things to enjoy even if you're not an outcast I feel like people like that usually are like my favorites Dustin and Steve which they're fun too but like they're like, oh yeah, 80s nostalgia and Dustin and Steve, funny, funny, ha ha ha. But like, for me, it's like a little different because that's, you know, I'm an outcast. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a weirdo. I mean, I'm not trying to sound like Jughead right now, but you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, it's an, on a different level if, you know, for certain people. Um, I don't know. But for Mr. Robot, it's a requirement to really fully enjoy the show. Like, you really... I wouldn't recommend Mr. Robot to everybody because, you know, most people wouldn't like it because it's, like, super, you know, and it's not, I mean, <laughs> it's not PG, and it's very not PG, and it's very dark, and it's very depressing, and it's very, like, anarchist would like it, you know what I mean? And you can't be a capitalist and like it. And a lot of people have the wrong take about it. And, you know, a lot of the fans are people that I can't stand because they're, like, people that are like, oh, yeah, conspiracy theories, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I'm not against conspiracy theories at all. 
you know, I like Stranger Things and Mr. Robot. Obviously, I don't have a, you know, but obviously, um, could be into them. But like, <clears throat> I feel like I'm more like Elliot as far as conspiracy theories go, because he bases knowing about a conspiracy or thinking about conspiracies as things that make sense. You know what I mean? He's like, there's a secret organization running the world that has all the money. And he's not wrong. And, like, I feel like if there is something like that, it is most likely exactly like the one in Mr. Robot, more than anything else. Because it's not, you know, a right side polit- of the political spectrum or left side of the political. It's the, you know, world leaders and people that work at banks and things like that. Because people are like, there's a conspiracy. The powerful people are the people in Hollywood. And I'm like, the richest and powerfulest people are the people I know about because I've seen them on TV, so they must be rich. And I'm like, are you an idiot? Like, honestly, like, you think that, like, actors make the most money of everybody? Like, sure, they make a lot of money, but, like, they don't make money like White Rose makes money. You know what I'm saying? Like, they don't have billionaire money. You know, that's a there's a huge leap between a millionaire and a billionaire. People don't seem to realize that, but there is. And, like, the most, I think the person who gets paid the most in Hollywood right now is The Rock. And, like, he he doesn't have close to the same amount of money as, like, you know, people that own Amazon and things like that. You know, so it's, it's just a big difference. I mean, honestly. And that's, like, the most well-paid actor. That's not because people are like, oh, Jimmy Fallon, he's the Hollywood elite. And I'm like, he's a TV, he's a nighttime talk show host. Like, sure, he's rich compared to normal people. But, like even as far as Hollywood goes, he's not rich at all. You know what I mean? Like, he's not, like, a billionaire. He's not even close to a billionaire. Like, I'm like, how much money do you think these people have? Sure, it's certainly a lot. It's certainly a lot. I'm not saying it's not, but, like, and I'm not saying they're not privileged, but I'm saying, like, enough to own the world and, like, control people? No. No. Sorry, no. (laughs) Not even close. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry, but no. And, you know... Like Harvey Weinstein, he did control certain people in Hollywood. Um, and they do get a little way with more because of those things and because they have money. But it's not because they're actors. It's not because they're in Hollywood. It's because they have a lot of money. Men with power and money have gotten away with crap like that for years. And it doesn't matter what industry they're in. They could be a banker, a financer, blah, 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 you know, work on Wall Street, whatever. It's not anything to do with Hollywood specifically. It's in there because there are a lot of people with money and power in Hollywood. But in any industry where, you know, they have a lot of money and power, they're going to get away with more stuff. Same goes for sports, you know, or whatever it is. Anybody with money and power is going to get away with stuff. That's the thing that makes the difference. It's not whether they're an actor or not. And what that causes is for people to have disdain for the arts. And that bothers me. It's because it's like... You know, you know, somebody working in Hollywood, being an artist, does not, you know, you're, you're being against everybody that's an actor at, or, or acting like there's a conspiracy about, you know, all the actors in Hollywood. And it's like most likely not the actors. It's most likely the people that own companies, you know, that have more money, <laughs> people that you don't even see or hear about. Who, you know, like how many people know, like Harvey Weinstein was not a household name unless you're into movies and see his name, you know, pay attention to who produced the movie. He was a producer, not an actor, you know, and writers and things. It's like, you're, you're, you know, 
you don't even understand how this works. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so that's why I like Mr. Robot because Elliot's conspiracy actually makes sense because it's like the people that have enough money to control the world. Sure. Like Harvey Weinstein can control the people beneath him and people in every industry could, you know, can and do, you know, get away with things by controlling the people beneath them. That happens in every industry and every part of the world and every kind of thing, you know, even like people who are parents or if they have any sort of power, they can get away with more stuff. But as far as controlling the world and having like, you know, the ability to plan things out and these big conspiracies and things like that and having everybody, you know, cover up things for them, it's got to be like White Rose, you know, like that level. And it's like, you you know, it's not going to be somebody that you see, you know, acting. Nobody's going to be an actor and like <laughs> having enough money to... If somebody had enough money to control the world, they're not going to work. Actors work for their money, you know, and that's what makes me mad because people are like, they have money for no reason. No, they don't. I even saw somebody talk, like, say something to, on TikTok to Avin Jogia, and they were like, aren't you the elite? And he's like, because he was talking about billionaires being, you know, um, he said he made a TikTok, something about billionaires and how, you know people need to pay their fair share and the rich need to pay taxes and blah, blah, blah. And somebody's like, aren't you the wealthy elite? To him, to Avin Jogia, which a lot of people don't know who that is. He played back on Victorious. He's not a very famous actor. I mean, they said that to Avin Jogia, of all people. And I'm like, is he even in movies besides, like, he had a small part in Zombieland? Like, I think he should be in more because I like him and he's a good actor, but, like, He's not a very famous actor. And he was like, I grew up on food stamps. <laughs> like, basically, he did. He, he grew up poor on food stamps and then he only has any money because he worked for it. Like, just because his job was acting doesn't mean he wasn't working for his money. You know what I mean? And he, he just so happened to get a job. A job. He worked a job to get money. That's why he has any money at all. And, like, he's not even rich because he's not even in that many things. So it's like, why are you acting like he's a wealthy elite? He's Avin Jogia. Go say that name to anybody and see if they know who you're talking about. Because I bet you they won't. I bet 99% of the people listening to this wouldn't know who the heck I'm talking about. Look him up. He's really hot. <laughs> he played back on Victorious. And I only know him because I'm a nerd. You know. But anyway. I really like him, though. He should be in a lot more stuff. Anyway, I'm getting into all these things that I just don't need to be getting into because I'm supposed to be talking about upper scissor hands and I'm freaking almost an hour into this talking about this kind of stuff. But I, I'm just annoyed because of those kinds of conspiracies. What what drives those is fascism, though, because they like for people to be against the arts. And that makes me angry. Because, it, it you know, cons creating a conspiracy against Hollywood elites, it's like... Why do you think that, like, I, I, I just, uh, I'm like, whatever. Go watch Mr. Robot and try to learn something about who really has control of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, that's more likely. <clears throat> I mean, we even know about, like, certain, I'm not going to go into it on here because I don't want to get out because I know about a certain group, you know, and I've heard things which other people have talked about it and exposed things, but I don't want to be involved. Um, but anyway... But I'm saying it's not it's not 
because people are like, oh, it's all them Democrats. And it's like, a group like that is going to span all political parties. It's not about that. They're, I'm sorry, but you're, and people think they're like Elliot if they say things like that. And I'm like, did you not watch Mr. Robot? Elliot would, does not believe in either political party. Trust me. Like, he's not on board with either one. I promise you that. Like, he'd probably more likely vote Democrat, I'm sure. But he, Elliot doesn't vote. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know he wouldn't vote. And I'm not saying that's a good thing, but I'm just saying, like, Elliot wouldn't vote. People are like, he'd be a Trump supporter. I'm like, are you freaking insane? Like, no way. Like, <laughs> obviously not. If he was going to vote, he would vote Democrat. That's That's for sure. But he's not going to vote at all. Elliot's not going to vote. He doesn't believe in voting. He doesn't believe in democracy. Like, he doesn't think that it's real. <clears throat> he thinks elections are fake. And, you know, not in the way that, you know, Trump supporters think they're fake. He, he, a totally different way than that. Um, <clears throat> because, you know, they pick out two people and you have to choose between them. And he's like, that's not a choice. Because you're only letting us choose between two different people. Like, that's what he's mad about. Uh, you know, he's not... <laughs> He's definitely, he, he just would not. He's an anarchist, you know, and a socialist. I mean, he wants to redistribute wealth. That's socialism. If anything, Elliot's a socialist. So, you know, <clears throat> I just want to clear that up. Um, I mean, the closest thing he is to any political party is a socialist. He is trying to read, he literally says the biggest read, wealth, wealth, wealth redistribution. He wanted to pull off wealth redistribution. What is that? It's freaking socialist. Like, you know, if it's anything, but mostly he's an anarchist, but like, as far as any political party leanings, he would be left wing. I mean, obviously, cause he's a, he's about the redistribution of wealth. It's hard to say, but anyway, um, let's get into, <laughs> let's go away from that because I haven't I hardly ever got political in here. Oh my gosh, I'm in my my house and like my Christmas tree is all lit up and like I don't have any other lights on except for my bathroom light, but it just looks so cozy in here. I might do a live video. Actually, I need to do a live video um, over on my Facebook author page, but Right now, um, for this podcast, we're going to be watching and talking about Edward Scissorhands. And hopefully we won't get too political about it, which we probably will, because this movie is kind of political. It brings up a lot of those issues, too. So let's get into it. I mean, not those specific ones, but things like that, about outcasts and, you know, conformity and things like that. And he's obviously 11. Like him and Edward Scissorhands and 11, you know, they both start with E. <laughs> They have that in common. They have so much in common, honestly, and I like it. I, th I feel like they're very similar, and I love it. And um, I love this movie, and it's one of my favorite Tim Burton movies. There's only a few of his movies that I enjoy, and this is the first one that I ever actually liked that I can recall, even though it's definitely got a lot of his flavor with the matching houses and all that. It's It's about, you know the suburbs having this conformity and you must be the same as everybody else and all that, that whole idea. And we got Winona Ryder. I mean, come on. It's just amazing. So anyway, let's get into this. Oh, and freaking, uh, what's his name? I mean, uh, uh, what's his name? Vincent Price. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, I hate when I like can't remember things. But yeah, Vincent Price was last last movie, and he it's just way to go out. You know, like just great. 